Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Wednesday, June 7th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. David Johnson hits back at his critics who say he is biased, and he vows to stay on as special rapporteur. I've heard clearly the disagreement with my recommendations not to call a public inquiry, as well as allegations about my integrity and my independence. These allegations are, put simply, false. And the decision to repeat them does not make them true. But after more than three hours of grilling, opposition parties say they have not changed their minds about the need for David Johnson to step down. After today, it's no wonder Parliament voted non-confidence in Mr. Johnson. Mr. Johnson repeatedly demonstrated willful blindness to the fact that he is in a conflict of interest. And is the Bank of Canada poised to raise interest rates again? Things are getting worse. The Bank of Canada is now signaling another interest rate height. Joining us is Michael Serapio, host of CPAC's Primetime Politics. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Julie. So we're both in the same situation, breathing this horrible air in the Ottawa area. Yeah. But uh, we can still talk politics, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. And and luckily, there was a lot happening indoors yesterday to keep us indoors away from a lot of hot air indoors. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So David Johnson went to this committee for three hours. And let's face it, it was not a day at the spa. No, he was facing some pretty hostile people, specifically the opposition. So how did it go? Uh, well, you know, it was. I was listening to you and Susan Delacorte early yesterday morning, and, and Susan was was saying this is going to be a, a rough day for David Johnston, and and it was. And you know that I think that part went according to script. And I, I have to say, I, I you, you look at the former Governor General, now Special Rapporteur, and even as the day began, he looked exhausted. He looked like he had no sleep. Um, it was uh, physically a David Johnston that I had not seen before. And this is a man who has kept very, very busy and, you know, indicative of the fact that he is uh, undergoing a lot of criticism right now. And that continued yesterday. It was a rough ride right out of the gate, uh, particularly uh, conservative MPs trying to reinforce the narrative that he is a, a person that should not be holding this position, that he is too close to the uh, Trudeau family, that he's too close to the prime minister. That's the narrative that they keep pushing. And, you know, there are there are big questions around that, including, as you noted yesterday, that Globe and Mail report that came out about his chief counsel being a, a, a donor to the Liberal Party to the tune of uh, $7,500 across several years. So, you know, it it was rough on that level. And I think that was the predictable part and also predictable was uh were liberal members of that uh committee trying to reinforce the fact that he is a man of honor who has served this country he shouldn't be attacked this way so there was re- there was very much that partisan bickering that we were expecting out of the committee but there were also surprises so what kind of surprise did you hear well i i think <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> he, in, in concluding, as you know, uh, that there is no need for a public inquiry, he says he's going to conduct this public hearing. He says uh, as well that, or rather, his first report drew a number of conclusions, uh, which you you which he says came from a, a review of intelligence documents and, and, and Secret Service reports. And, and you sit back and think, okay, if those are the conclusions you're drawing, and if you are saying you have done a review, I think it's fair to say that people would think that is a definitive review. 
But in the questioning that happened yesterday, there were obviously contradictions that were pointed out. Contradictions, you know, it, I think it's it's easy for liberals to say, oh, the conservatives are really giving him a rough ride. But it was, you know, one of the most revelatory things actually came for, from the liberals' parliamentary partner right now in the NDP with Jagmeet Singh, asking about inconsistencies in the report. Primarily from the questioning from Jagmeet Singh, the inconsistency around David Johnson's conclusion that in the 2021 campaign, there was no evidence to point to a single orchestrated player in this misinformation campaign. And yet Aaron O'Toole stood in the House of Commons and said, and you know this, we were talking about yeah. this um, yeah. you know, earlier, that, that David Johnson, excuse me, uh, Aaron O'Toole, when he stood up in the House of Commons, he talked a couple weeks ago, he talked about being targeted uh, by a campaign orchestrated by the People's Republic of China. He, his members of his party, it was a misinformation campaign, which of course has, uh, or potentially has very big impacts on the results of an election, although no one's contesting that the 2021 election results are, are, are legitimate or illegitimate. But it, it, was a single source orchestration, according to what CSIS told to Aaron O'Toole. So the question from Jagmeet Singh, what's this inconsistency? How can you say that there's no orchestration when CSIS tells Aaron O'Toole that there is? And subsequently of that, we heard uh, David Johnson, because he uh, gave an interview with uh, uh, David Cochran at the CBC, in which he talked about if the, in the intelligence information is an ocean, I saw a lake. So yes. how definitive a report can it be if all he saw was a lake? And I think that is not only surprising going into it, but huge because it, it does poke holes into, okay, so how can you conclude one thing and the Canadian public need to be certain about that? And at the same time, concluding that the government did not fail to act how yeah. can you conclude yeah. that Handong and I'm, I'm, you know, that that the allegations around Handong um, are were not true? And you know, Handong pushes back to, you know, I, I want to walk this tight line. I'm not saying that Handong did did anything wrong. In fact, he's suing Global News over the report. But how can you draw that conclusion if also in the revelations of yesterday it comes out that he did not even speak to Handong about that? Right, report. right, so there's, right. There right. are these inconsistencies, and I think yeah, you know, and, there's and the politics, and then there's the substance of what came out yesterday. Exactly, and I think the the part about Aaron O'Toole is very interesting because. Um, David Johnson's report came out, uh, I think it was May 23rd. We didn't hear mm -hmm. from Aaron O'Toole till about a week later when he stood in the house, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, are you kidding me? Like, so he's telling us all this stuff that he met with CSIS and he was being targeted and he was the uh, victim, uh, his party and people in his party of voter suppression and of uh, misinformation and stuff. And you're thinking, really? Well, why didn't David Johnson tell us that? You know, like there's, it, and and then when you like you say David Johnson said well they didn't they didn't tell me all that okay well why is that are they holding these little uh, candies to dole out later or what's the deal like why in other words I get what you're saying we don't seem to be getting full information well yeah not not only are we not getting full information. This first report that came out on the 23rd, again, it's a first report. There's a second one coming up. And yes. the second one is in October. What, what, in October. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and that's what Eric, excuse me, that's what, what David Johnston and many liberals seem to say. Uh, and, and they're right. Like, I mean, they're right in that the bigger issue here has to do with foreign interference. The bigger issue here 
has to, to, to do with making sure that our democracy is not compromised by any type of outside player, be that the People's Republic of China, be that Russia, be, be that Iran. We need to make sure our democratic process is protected, right? And, and those are big issues that will be dealt with in the next report. And that is absolutely correct, because that is the, the base underlying issue. But in pointing to that second report, they're also saying, well, this first report dealt with the the big the, the other questions that were being asked earlier this year. Who knew what and why? Did the government fail on acting on information? Uh, are the allegations put into uh, newspaper reports published by the Globe Mail, uh, as well as uh, media reports put out by the Glo uh, by Global TV? This first report was supposed to deal with that, and in fact, the first report almost encourages Canadians to move on to to the and look forward to the second report and say okay what happened before is done yeah, yeah. and what we're now moving right. is what mm -hmm. what's to be so so how can how can the world say or how can the Canadian public say okay well David Johnson said there was not you know there's no nothing to look at here folks yeah yeah but in yesterday emerging and that there are inconsistencies and two again that statement made by with David Cochran and the CBC that if there's an ocean of information I only saw a lake so how does right. that then put to bed this idea of a public inquiry which of course the opposition continues to call for right right so it's like we're presented with kind of a half-baked cake right like yeah, where's exactly. the whole where's the whole cake yeah and, exactly. and in the meantime you know his uh the the you and your baking club <laughs> Be eating everything in sight. That's the problem. <laughs> I want to be head of the club and eat it all. Anyway, so so the the, the thing about uh, his credibility too was poked away at, as you mentioned at the beginning. Yeah. And then we find mm. out just in conversation that he's got other people helping him. Right? He's got yeah. Don Guy, who's a big liberal guru from Queens Park, and he's got Brian Top, who's very well known in the NDP. In fact, I remember him running for the leadership. When Jack mm -hmm. Layton died, I covered his I covered his leadership. He's well known in the NDP. So he's got these a liberal and an NDP that he says is, he isn't paying. Well, what, what are they doing exactly? And, and so the conservatives were all over that. Like you've got these operatives from the coalition. Um, you know, they're just picking away at him. And the fact that all parties and the opposition have said, we don't have confidence in you. Like, how do you keep going forward when you've got all these slings and arrows in your back? Yeah. And yet he says he is going forward. And, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know what the motivations are of people like Brian Top stepping in and, and giving the advice to, to David Johnston, um, other than perhaps that they have respect for the man, because he is a respected former governor general who has been turned to yeah. more yeah. than once by different governments uh, throughout the course of his, his, uh, his adult life. Uh, so, so, you know, that, that might be the case of it, but you know, and 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 then there's there's the other part of me that's sympathetic because you know if I was being um, criticized at this level, perhaps I too would be looking for advice beyond the these people who these former political uh, operatives and advisors, but also as we know navigators. So 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 part of me understands that, but yes, here we have the House of Commons three times saying that that they want a public inquiry and the last vote basically saying that uh, David Johnston needs to step down, not because he's necessarily uh, biased, but there is, as the NDP put it, this apprehension of bias. And so the optics around it 
are not good enough for such a big issue. So, but yeah. he is going to, you know, despite all that, he's, he says he's going to move forward. He's going to yeah. continue with his own public hearings, uh, presumably beginning next month for that October right. report. And, and he wants to interview people from the di Chinese diaspora, but a lot of, of them, some of their leaders have said, we want a public inquiry. Yeah. So, yeah. so as some have said, what a mess. And, and I guess note to self, the liberals, the next time they should get the guy filling the Coke machine who doesn't know anything about Justin Trudeau. They, yeah. You can't get someone who knows them at all, which is hard, hard to do. But um, you or know, a court of tribunal, so it doesn't fall on just one person. Right. You know? Whereas Rulo from the convoy commission, you know, he wasn't attacked so much. They tried to find some link in his past that he was a second cousin twice removed. But you almost need someone who has no links whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Although, you know, we we, we, we live and work in Ottawa. I, I think that's sometimes a big challenge in this city. Yeah, it's a very small village. So anyway, let's move on to uh, the other big news that might happen today. We don't know yet, but the Bank of Canada is going to uh, announce its latest policy on interest rates. What are people saying? Well, you know, I, I, I the bit of the background here is basically the, the Canadian economy continues to be more robust than what the bank predicted it would be. And so, uh, as you know, uh, rates have held to at 4.5% really uh, since the new year began. And this was after those second consecutive increases this year. So uh, that's the bit of the background. But then comes the numbers, uh, for example, in, in August, where the, the uh, inflation rate basically went up for the first time 4.4%. .4 and uh, and then the news just last week that the, the first uh, quarter of this year is a far more robust economy. So the whole point of uh, raising these interest rates is basically to try to cool things down, to, to get inflation back down by ironically increasing inflation. So uh, if the policy is not working, it's one of two things. Either the 4.5% uh, key rate, which has been uh, again held since the new year, will be bumped up today or the bank will say we're going to watch it again and possibly bump it up in July. So that's that's basically what we're looking at. And you know, that's I think that's really for the the economic wants, but uh, at the end of the day it has a practical impact. If those rates go up, people's uh interest rates grow up, go up and that becomes a political problem for the liberal government. Right, because the the bank rate increase was put on pause uh, by the governor of the bank back in mm -hmm. January. So we've yeah. had this kind of respite period of a few months yeah. uh but like you say the economy uh, has been doing better than expected gdp better than expected uh we're waiting for the job numbers which i think come on on friday but uh a, a real nail-biting time for people if you have a mortgage and if yeah. you're planning to renew your mortgage right you're not going to mm -hmm. get anything below three percent those days are gone so what are you going to yeah. get yeah and you know what and that's for the lucky canadians who have a mortgage those are for lucky Canadians who are approved for a line of credit, because really, the for for Canadians who are working class, for those who are poor, uh, those who struggle to make ends meet, this just becomes harder for them because the very fact that the interest rates go up that has an impact on on everything else, all, all the trickle down, and when you are not as privileged to have a mortgage, which is challenging for, for those who are not in a locked-in rate from a few years back, uh, and or a line of credit that you're still paying off, well, it's hard to control costs when groceries are so high, the gas is so high, rent goes up. You know, those are the basic needs, and those are things people really can't control. There's nothing, nothing discretionary about that. So it becomes uh, harder for many Canadians to, to, to make ends meet. 
And what's also interesting against that was that report saying that, you know, uh, credit card debt and credit debt has gone up in this, you know, last calendar year, because that's how Canadians are making ends meet. It's mm-hmm. not that they have the cash, right. it's that they are overextending themselves on, you know, on, on their basic credit economics. Don't, don't rely on your credit card, but that's what many Canadians are being forced to do. Yeah, because they don't have a choice. So, yeah, exactly. um, so you know, as you say, this becomes political and Pierre Poiliev and Jagmeet Singh, but uh, especially Pierre Poiliev has been hammering away at this. You mm-hmm. caused inflation with all your spending. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he 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 doesn't talk about the fact that a lot of it came from the pandemic, but a lot of it didn't. Right. So, yeah. I mean, the government has a 40 billion dollar deficit now and he and Pierre Poiliev, they're trying to get their budget through. And Pierre Poiliev is saying, uh, don't look at us. We're not going to help you until you come up with a deficit reduction plan mm-hmm. because you're fueling inflation and everybody who's uh, trying to renew mortgages and pay for their groceries they're stuck with your bad habits, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. going on in the backdrop in Parliament. Yeah, absolutely. That's the backdrop, and and that's you know that's that's what the what the government faces in the House, as you say. They, essentially, the Conservatives are, are 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 making this pitch to Canadians. If you want to get this under control, what you need to do is clip the economic wings of this Liberal government because they argue that they are addicted to to spending money they do not have, and that has an impact on all Canadians. So so that you know that is the message they're coming out with. But you know, and beyond that, also making the promise that you know a Conservative government will do better by Canadians. And we heard that from day one. That was, you know, that was the very strong speech that Pierre Polyev gave when he won the Conservative leadership back, uh, you know, last last September, where he says, we're going to make it more affordable Canadians uh, for Canadians. And part of that is stopping the new increase on the carbon tax. So, you know, they, it becomes a political hot potato for for the liberals because they're they face the challenge right now in the house but they also face the the arguments being made by conservatives and rightly or wrongly uh, sitting governments oftentimes pay the price for the economic picture it might be the bank of Canada governor that's making these decisions about the, the, the where the rate should sit but because the liberals sit in power in ottawa it will come to them to to answer for that to the canadian yeah public. and canadians are going to have to figure out that um uh, yeah, I mean, do you want to vote for the guy who's going to rein in the spending? But reining in spending means cuts. So where are you going to cut, right? Yeah. Or that, do you want to vote for the guy who keeps saying I'm going to look after you? But but, but the ace in the, in the in the in the sleeve that Trudeau has right now, in a way, and he's been he's been milking this for the last three days, is you want to cut the carbon tax. Meanwhile, fires are burning across the country. And yeah. and and what's your plan? So. Um, it's a very, you know, as my mother keeps saying, you can't write the script. No one knew the whole country would be on fire three days ago. Well, no, no, we had the Alberta fires, but I'm just saying the way it's just blown up, right? Well, and and, and certainly the the optics in the nation's capital, because here you have earlier this week, the the conservative motion on the carbon tax on the same day that, you know, Ottawa skies are getting hazed up yellow and smelling like a campfire. Um, Not yet like s'mores, unfortunately, Julie, but like a campfire (laughs) when you walk out there. (laughs) Exactly. That's why why most of us have to stay indoors or get our masks out again. So exactly. Okay. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks. You too, Julie. Okay. bye. Bye. That's Michael Serapio, host of CPAC's Primetime Politics. These allegations are, put simply, false. And the decision to repeat them does not make them true. Now let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In the Toronto Star, Susan Delacourt argues David Johnson's damage control is not working. She writes, 
For more than three hours on Tuesday, Johnson was plunged into the politics he's tried to stay above during his long career. Essentially, he faced three challenges. He had to defend his own integrity. He had to defend his decision not to call a public inquiry into foreign interference. And he had to make the case that public hearings would be an adequate stand-in for a formal public inquiry. The entire spectacle, if nothing else, was a demonstration of just how impossible it is to airlift this question out of the arena of nasty partisan politics, where everyone's motives are deemed suspect. In the Globe and Mail, Gary Mason argues, BC's drug decriminalization experiment is off to a disastrous start. He writes, it is a common lament across BC that open drug use is plaguing many cities and towns. The reality is when it comes to dealing with the widespread scourge of drug addiction, we need to balance the needs of the individual with the broader needs of society. In many instances today, however, one side's interests and needs are prevailing over the others. And in BC right now, drug users are taking advantage of a provincial strategy that is designed to help them, but is hurting innocent others in the process. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will provide a wildfire update. He will be joined by the Minister of National Defence, Anita Anand, the President of the King's Privy Council for Canada and Minister of Emergency Preparedness, Bill Blair, and Patty Haidu, the Minister of Indigenous Services and Minister Responsible for the Federal Economic Development Agency for Northern Ontario. The Prime Minister will also attend question period and deliver a speech at the Global Heads of Mission Meeting. The Senate Committee on National Finance will hear from the Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance, Christia Freeland. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will attend his party's caucus meeting. He will also speak with the media before taking part in question period. Immigration Minister Sean Fraser will be in Winnipeg for an immigration announcement and a special citizenship ceremony. The Senate Committee on Legal and Constitutional Affairs will hear from Justice Minister David Lametti. The Senate Committee on Transport and Communications will hear from the Minister of Canadian Heritage, Pablo Rodriguez. And Governor General Mary Simon will continue her official visit to Manitoba. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, June 7th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.